This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 27, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Surprise, surprise. New reports show that Freddie and Fannie's role in the housing meltdown will cost taxpayers more and more, and probably more than that. Mark Calabria, director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies, says one idea that's never really been considered, instead of making taxpayers bear the costs... Why not make creditors foot the bill? Didn't we know that this was a distinct possibility that whatever we were on the hook for, taxpayers were on the hook for with regard to Fannie and Freddie could increase dramatically over over the years as a lot of these uh, securities peter out? There was certainly an expectation of that. You know, for instance, uh, you know, over a year ago, the Congressional Budget Office came out with estimates that they thought would be closer to, say, $400 billion. And what we've seen in recent days is the regulator for Freddie and Fannie coming out with an update of likely losses based more largely on what they think the housing market might do. So if the housing market actually gets better, you know, I mean, it's important to keep in mind, we're going to lose more money under all scenarios. So even if the housing market turns around and is great, you know, we're likely to see another $70 billion, say, put in. If the housing market deteriorates more, of course, we'll see more and we might see as much as another two or $300 billion put in. So essentially what the regulator has done is, is, is update the numbers uh, so that essentially Congress going forward and the public going forward can have a good sense of, you know, how much are we on the hook for and how, and, and how would this help uh, inform the policy debates? How did this possibility inform the decision to move forward to begin with to bail out Fannie and Freddie? At the time that Freddie and Fannie, I mean, to go back and say, and you had in the summer of July of 2008, you had what was the Housing Economic Recovery Act that was passed. And then, and then, and in HERA, uh, you had the new regulation set up that created the new regulator for Freddie and Fannie. Also included in that was at the request of Secretary Paulson, uh, then Treasury Secretary Paulson, uh, essentially a blank check for the Treasury Secretary to insert as much money as needed into Freddie and Fannie. And that's because over the summer of 2008, Freddie and Fannie started accumulating losses. And because they're so thinly capitalized to begin with, I mean, for instance, their securitization business is by statute leveraged 200 to 1, which means you don't even need a full percentage point of losses before you're wiped out. And so because they were so thinly capitalized to begin with, and because losses started accumulating, there started to be essentially runs in the marketplace on Freddie and Fannie debt. There started to be real questions about their solvency and whether they would fail. So the Treasury Secretary asked Congress. Congress gave him, again in July of 2008, the ability to put in an endless amount of money. In September of 2008, the Treasury Secretary with the assistance of their then regulator, uh, took Freddie and Fannie into what was called a conservatorship, where essentially the government was running them. And at this point, the government started, the Treasury Department started inserting capital into Freddie and Fannie to start covering their losses. This is an important part that the reason that this is being done is once they become insolvent, then that by law triggers a receivership, which is a bankruptcy-type proceeding for Freddie and Fannie, which would impose losses on creditors. And the objective of the Treasury Department all along was to avoid any creditors, particularly foreign creditors. I mean, the Chinese Central Bank, for instance, is one of the largest creditors in Freddie and Fannie. But the Treasury Department wanted to avoid creditors taking any losses. Uh, so to do that, you had to keep them out of receivership. And so every quarter, when Freddie and Fannie report their uh, financial results, the Treasury Department says, 
basically. How much do you need just to stay above water? So the money being put in is largely for losses that have already essentially baked in the cake, if you will. Um, And the projections going forward are based on the performance of mostly mortgages that have already been made. So yes, they're going to go out and make some more bad mortgages. But for the most part, the vast majority of losses that are being projected are based on the performance of their already existing book of business. How have the administration and Congress's actions regarding uh, foreclosures been impact been impacted by what we expect to be continued large losses from Freddie and Fannie? They've, in, in a sense, this has added to some of it. Uh, you know, f- while the majority of losses on Freddie and Fannie were certainly pre for 2008, 2009, they've continued to take losses, and some of their losses have been greater because there's been tremendous pressure by the administration to essentially use Freddie and Fannie as an off-budget um, foreclosure assistance vehicle. So, And they're really trying to walk a tightrope here. They want to try to not have the losses accumulate, but they also want to be able to use that flexibility to try to essentially stop foreclosures and put people in their homes. So this is, is certainly impacted, and it's worked in both ways. If if we had, if we had instead of had the situation where we have Freddie and Fannie, if we had had something like the savings and loan crisis again, where all these mortgages have been on the books of banks, financial institutions, I think you would have seen foreclosures happen much quicker. Uh, we probably would have gotten through the cycle actually quicker than we have been now. So to degree, Freddie and Fannie and the way they've interacted with the foreclosure process has probably dragged the process out with with losses in the long run actually probably being larger because of that. What might be the quickest way to get the taxpayers' involvement in the Fannie and Freddie uh, debacle ended more quickly? Well, the simplest way is to take them into receivership. We could end, we could end the cost of the taxpayer today. It mean, and it is very simple. It just means that going for the losses will be borne by creditors rather than the taxpayer. Uh, and it's important to keep out that was always an option from day one. Even under the, what was passed, the law passed in 2008, the Treasury Secretary always had the option to simply move into a receivership. Mark Calabria is director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies. The Cato Institute's work on Freddie and Fannie goes back decades. You can read more on what could have been at Cato.org.